Hurts for NBA range. He buries a triple. You're listening to the Talkin' Johnny's podcast featuring St. John's University student, Ryan Olson. What's going on, Johnny Nation? I'm your host, Ryan Olson, and welcome back to another episode of the Talkin' Johnny's podcast. On Tuesday night, the Red Storm let yet another quad one opportunity slip through their hands, this time coming at the expense of the Providence Friars in a 75-72 defeat on the road. Close but not close enough. The Red Storm have come down the stretch in so many games against quality opponents, but they can't finish. They don't have the so-called closer. But with seven games remaining, I'm here to say not to lose hope just yet. There is still a path. There is still an opportunity. I'm not going to be recapping the game against Providence on Tuesday night because it's been a similar recap to a lot of the last couple of games. Close, but not able to finish, like I said, down the stretch. But I am very, very excited to welcome my first real guest of my podcast era. Sorry, Dad, you were one of my first guests, but you don't really count. This is my first real guest, and that is Zach Brazilla, the New York Post reporter for St. John's Basketball. I'm going to get right into the questions, and I just want to say before we get into the questions that I'm thrilled and honored to have the opportunity to talk with Zach. I appreciate him giving his time up to talk with me, and I hope to provide you guys with some interesting insight on the Red Storm season and where they're sitting and what's to come, not only for the rest of this season, but for next season as well. So let's get right into it. St. John's fans, including myself, would be disappointed if I didn't ask about St. John's NCAA tournament hopes. Do you still think there's a path for St. John's making the tournament without having to win the Big East tournament? Yeah, look, uh, I do. Uh, I think they have to win out. Um, but I do, I do think there is a path, um, you know, they're at, I've felt all along, you know, the last month as these struggles have continued, they had to get to four quad one wins. They can still get there. They have to beat Creighton at home and win at Butler. Um, do I think that's likely? No, but, um, I do think there is a path. Um, their metrics still are in in somewhat good shape when you consider they lost seven of nine. Um, look, I, I think they're going to wind up 10 and 10 in the league. I see them, um, beating Seton Hall Sunday. I think they're going to win the three with Georgetown to Paul. And then I think they're going to lose to Creighton and Butler. Would it shock me if they win one or both of those games? No. I mean, you know, as disappointed as everyone is, and I, and I think that disappointment is warranted when you look at the start and the hype for the season, you know, they've, they've been right there in every game, you know, they, I mean, of their six quad one losses, they've had the lead in halftime or of their whatever, eight or nine quad one losses. They've had the lead in halftime in six of them. I mean, you know, they've led UConn and Marquette in the four games against them at halftime. You know, they led Providence at halftime. They led Dayton at halftime. Um, Easily could have won at Xavier, you know. So, you know, they're they're not that far off. You know, I I wrote – a column in today's paper, just kind of imagining how this season would be different if they had Walter Clayton Jr. Just because to me, they're just short that, you know, they don't have a close, you know, they don't have that guy. There's just way too much put on Danis Jenkins' shoulders. I feel like he kind of wears down late in these games and, you know, having that other really reliable, consistent score to me would, would have really changed things for this team. Look, I, 
it's not second guessing. I mean, I think any high major school in the country would have taken Jordan Dingle. It just hasn't worked out. Uh, they're not like that's the thing. That's the thing. Like why I know people are, you know, dismissing Patino when he says we expect to win the. You know, we're we're you know our mindset to win the last six games. It's not impossible when you consider they have the three with DePaul and Georgetown and then two and then two of the other three are at home. It's not like it's not impossible, but you know, I do understand why people think it's unrealistic when you lost seven of nine. Yeah, that was a great answer. And then just another kind of follow up to that. Let's just say now with Butler and Creighton, they take one out of two of those games and then they have to go into the Big East tournament. They'll have a little bit more work to do. How does it now affect them with what the Big East tournament is now is not as considered a home game for St. John's in the, the, the tournament? They're not giving that a neutral site. How is that going to affect them if they, let's just say they don't beat like a UConn or a Creighton, everything is just going to be like a, a quad two game for them. So they really need to kind of get far in the tournament, would you say, if they only win one of two against Butler and Creighton? Yeah, look, if they, if they win, you know, if they go five and one here in the stretch, let's say, you know, let's say they beat Creighton um, and, and, and lose at Butler, right? Then you're at three quad ones. You know, your metrics probably are okay, not great. Um, you know, Seton Hall will be a quad two at least. So you you know, that's another quad two. Yeah, look, you know, I, I think if if that happens and they're eleven nine in the league, my guess is they finish sixth. So your first game is gonna probably be Creighton. Um, so yeah, I think they would have to at least win that that first game. Um, you know, I, I, to me it's I, I think they really have to win out here. Um if they don't win one, I think you're probably looking at having to at least win you know, that quarterfinal game against Creighton to get in to really have a shot of getting to Dayton. You might even have to win two. Um, but, you know, mo- most important thing, like, I, you know, you, you can think about all kinds of scenarios. Most important thing is they got to win Sunday. You know, Seton Hall is coming off, obviously, a really um, good win at home over Xavier, you know, who's, you know, Xavier's a decent team, but they've struggled. They've really struggled, obviously, Um away from home. I think it's a game St. John's will be favored in. I think it's a game St. John's could definitely win if they play well. Um, so you win that and you, then you focus on Georgetown, you know, and you win that and then you get Creighton at the guard and you, and you, you really start to have a chance to, um, to build up some momentum and see where that could kind of take you. Um, but yeah, look, I think if you, if you don't, if you don't win both quad twos, I think you definitely have to at least, you know, get to the semifinals at the guard. I don't think there's any question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, I would definitely agree with that. And yeah, just a one game at a time mindset is definitely the approach that they need right now. So it kind of leads me into my next question. After each and every game, we hear Rick criticize the defensive effort his guys are giving. Why isn't this team getting better with time? Do you think it was maybe just there was too many moving parts in the offseason and it's just they're still trying to play catch up as the has been so tough? Like, what do you take on how they haven't really gotten better defensively? Um, yeah, look, it's, you know, it's a good question. Um, I think a part of it is, you know, everyone sees four and one, they see best, you know, starts in 2000, 2001 and got a little carried away, but you got to look at, look at how they got to four and one, you know, they, they beat Xavier and Butler at home. You know, this team hasn't lost a home game. You know, they haven't really lost a winnable home game this year. You look at their, their home losses, throw Michigan out. That was so early. You know, they lost by one to Marquette, and then they lost to UConn. You know, so it's not like, 
they've been losing home games here. So they start off with, you know, three of those four wins were at home. You know, they 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 got barely got by Providence. They they beat up Butler and Xavier at Carneseca, which, you know, Rick Taylor's admitted he didn't realize it was the home court advantage it is. I think that's another factor. You know, you had two two teams that are kind of on similar footing with you. You got them at Carneseca. Um and then look, you you beat a Villanova team who hasn't been great, and St. John's clearly matches up well with. So you look at that four and one start, and those were all games outside of Villanova where St. John's was supposed to win. You know, um, they obviously they lost the UConn game. It was a close, but I mean UConn was not the same team then they are now. They didn't have Klingon. Uh, Castle wasn't playing the way he's playing now. Um, you know, it, it was a different UConn team then. So I think you need to, you know, Patino had a good, had a really good quote about this. It's like, when I asked about the four and one start, he's like, look, it, it's, it's about who you play when you play them. So, you know, when St. John's got Butler, they were, they weren't playing great. Um, Providence had just, you know, look, I think St. John and Providence are very even teams. St. John's beat them by two at home. Providence beat, beat them by three at, at their home. Um, so I think you have to really look at that four and one start is, that you know was a part of schedule. That was a soft part of schedule, and now we're here. We are at the end in a soft part of schedule where they really could use a finish like they had. And you know, I and I think look, they're yeah, the defense hasn't gotten better as you would have hoped. They don't. The personnel is a problem. They don't. You know, they don't really have a lockdown perimeter defender. Jordan Dingle has really struggled to guard. You know, Soriano's play obviously has uh, tailed off, and he's really struggled on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And look, they've played some really good teams. You know, teams like um, maybe the only teams I feel like in the league that when St. John's plays them, St. John's has the best player, probably Butler. Um, and even that's maybe, but probably Butler, Georgetown the ball. Aside from that, the other team always has the best player. So you factor in in these close games, St. John's doesn't have the best player. They're not a great defense team and they don't shoot free throws well. It's mm-hmm. tough to win close games like that. And look, uh, they've had some bad breaks. The Creighton game, they got some. They got brutal, two brutal calls at the end. They should have won that game. Marquette, you don't have Dingle. Aline gets hurt, so you're down two of your top three guards, and you still have multiple shots there at the end to win the game. And they just didn't, you know, just didn't get it done. Um, you know, Providence game could have gone either way. So like, they've been close here, um, and you know, who knows? Maybe it's going to even out. Maybe they get you know, a lucky bounce or a fortunate bounce against Creighton or, or Butler, and they find a way to win one of these games. But I think ultimately it's just the case of this roster just isn't as good as they thought. There were clearly some roster mistakes. You know, look, they tried to keep AJ Storr, didn't want to stay. Um, Omar Stanley was kind of ha- was ready to go when Mike Anderson got fired. He really didn't have interest staying. You know, to me, the, the you know, the, like I mentioned Clayton earlier, the two big ones to me, because look, Store didn't want to be here. Um, we, we, we see that. Um, you know, this the, the people who respond to me saying, oh, they should have kept Posh is ridiculous. Davis Jenkins is a much better player than Posh. You watch Butler play, the end of these games, Posh Alexander does not have the ball in his hands. Doesn't look like he wants the ball in his hands. Um, St. John's upgrade a point guard. There's no question about that. The miss, you know, and look, this is obviously all hindsight. Obviously, Walter Clayton not coming and that was out of their control. He wants to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Axel Lenderberg has been absolutely awesome at UAB. You know, he's 6'9", and, you know, Patino's talked a lot about their size and that lack of athleticism. And, you know, in hindsight, they should have kept him. He wanted to be here. They, It was a mistake. 
I'm sure they would admit that. Um, it happens, you know, they, they really turned over the roster. There were some mistakes made and some guys just haven't lived up to expectations. Um, so, you know, if you want to get on the coaching staff for that, I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, but to kind of answer your point, I just ultimately, you know, they're just not quite good enough and they've gotten some bad breaks in some of these close games, you know, the, the ball hasn't really bounced their way. And, um, and that's kind of where, why they are where they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just been so frustrating that, you know, they've played so many close games against really quality teams, but like you said, they just don't, they don't have the the closer. They don't have the guy to make the big shot when they need it or, and they haven't gotten, they've gotten some unfortunate breaks, but as a fan, it's just, it's not like they're toying with you, but they're just like, they're, they're, they're close, but they're not there. And it's, it just, it's, it's frustrating. But now my next question really is about how we're going to look St. John's is going to look next year. So considering they have six guys who could possibly return Glenn Taylor, Zuby, Dresa, RJ Lewis, Simeon Wilcher, and Brady Dunlap, considering the six possible returnees and the incoming recruits that they have, Rick will still have a lot of, a lot of work on his hands to put together a competitive team for next season. What does Rick have to do differently this time around for the Red Storm to get over the hump in year two? And what's to say year two won't be that much different than year one? Uh, I, I'm i going to guarantee next year will be different. Um, I expect them to go all out in the spring. I expect them to bring in minimum three impact transfers. Um, I think they're going to go in, they're going to bring in a center, you know, a legit, legit athletic rim protector. I think they're going to bring in two guards um, and may even bring in a power forward. You know, um, I, I expect them to create a roster to leave no possibility. They're not a very good team next year. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard fantastic things, um, you know, about, you know, everyone talks about Jaden Glover, but, um, I've heard fantastic things about Kamon Maker, um, the seven footer three-star recruit. Uh, I talked to a coach who, who thinks he's an immediate, uh, difference maker in terms of, you know, a, you know, a big man who could play above the rim, block shots. Um, they're going to get bigger. They're going to get more athletic. Obviously, they're going to look for shooting because that's been a surprising weakness of this team. Mm -hmm. But they're going to, you know, when you look at the way Rick plays and just kind of his style, the, they, the the pieces don't quite fit. They're not, you know, they don't have the length and athleticism that really translates in terms in terms of the up-tempo pressing style. And I think you're going to see more of that. You're going to see guys, more guys um, like that. You're going to see bigger you know, more athletic guys, um, you know, they're not going to have to fill a whole roster like last year and they're not going to get started late like last year. Um, I'd be absolutely stunned if this isn't a very good team next year. Um, you know, I, I expect, you know, to me, the four main guys you're keeping an eye on are RJ Luis, uh, Brady Dunlap, Simeon Wiltshire, um, and Zuby Ejiofor. Uh, You know, look, I wouldn't be shocked if one or two of those guys goes. It's the nature of, you know, the business. They bring in two guards. Simeon Wiltshire may say, well, I'm not going to start. I might want to go somewhere else. You know, I, I think they're going to pitch him on being the third guard and being a key part of the rotation. We'll see what happens there. Um, you know, with Brady, is, you know, he's a wing. And, you know, him and RJ kind of play the same position. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, 
I fully expect them to go all out in the portal and, you know, and restock here. Obviously they're losing a lot and, but, but they're, they're going to need, you know, I think they have a better idea of what they need and what's going to work in this league. Um, and I, I'd be, I'd be look. I think a lot of people are going to take a wait and see approach. I don't think people are going to be quite as excited no matter who comes here because they're going to say, well, we thought so-and-so was going to be great. We thought so, you know, and that Mm -hmm. didn't happen, but I firmly, firmly expect them to be very, to be good next year and for them to really have a a team that kind of fits the style they want to play. Well, that, that I'm very happy to hear you say those words because there's been a lot of, you know, just people with how this season has kind of gone worried about the future as, you know, St. John's fans are, they're just always, they're dying for success. And, but my follow-up question to that is like, how difficult is is it going to be for Rick to get guys to come to St. John's considering like, how do their NIL efforts translate to other schools that they would be competing against in like the big East and, and so forth? Like, will they struggle to get big name guys? I mean, I know they did pretty well this off season in getting those guys, but that's a worry of mine and some fans going forward, but they'll maybe struggle to get some of that big talent because their NIL isn't as good as some of the bigger programs. No, I mean, look, their, their NIL is, might not be, you know, some as good as the elite, but their NIL is in fine shape. They're, they're, um, you know, they're going to be my guess top third of the league again at NIL, which is what they were this year. And that's more than enough to, you know, like the issue with this roster is just some of these guys didn't pan out. I mean, but mm-hmm. plenty of, you know, any high major school would have wanted Jordan Ingle. Same with Chris Ledlam. Um, you know, same with Simeon Wiltshire. It just for whatever reason. And look, I, I still think Wiltshire's going to be a very good player. So I, I don't want, you know, that to get taken the wrong way. Um, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't work. That's sometimes what happens with the portal is some years it doesn't translate. I mean, you could look at Butler and, you know, Thad Mata's first year, it it didn't work you know they were very underwhelming now this year you know they're the portal editions really did work you know especially guys like dave dj davis and jamil telfort um and pierre brooks so you know it, it's just you know it's just the nature of the game now you're going to have new rosters every year sometimes portal guys aren't going to work i think there's a definite i think it's definitely significant though that They've experienced the Big East this first year, so they kind of ha- will have a better understanding of what they need and, and what kind of they did wrong um, the first year in the portal. And look, it's, you know, I mean, we all know what goes on. Um, you know, it's not like the second, the season's over, all of a sudden people are starting looking at players in the portal. That stuff goes on all year, mm-hmm. and new coaching staffs yeah. obviously are, are step on. It's not an excuse, it's reality. And... You know, uh, this season has obviously not turned out how they expected. Um, there's no question about that. Um, but I think the experience of this will definitely help them next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. I think the experience, like you've been saying, you're very reassuring to me, all the things that you're saying, because I guess I, I, you know, I read too much of Twitter sometimes and I get carried away by some of these, some people's crazy takes on there. But now my next question is, what's the biggest factor, do you think, for this team's drastic decline of late? Is it the lackluster play of Jordan Dingle, the, the demise of Joel Soriano, the horrendous outside shooting, the poorest defense, or really all of the above? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't think there's one thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think everything kind of contributes to, to losing games. You know, obviously Soriano is 
play has obviously not been there the last nine games. Um, you know, um, obviously Dingle the whole year really just hasn't lived up to expectations. The defense hasn't been good. Um, you know, the second halves, I mean, you know, they all kind of intertwine. If you're strictly looking at these last seven or nine games, I mean, I think it's easy to just point the finger at Joel because he was so much so good, really, the first about 15, 16 games. Then the, then lately his play has just really dropped off. Now, that could be Big East teams just adjusting to him, and he hasn't made, and they haven't made the adjustment back. Um, but I also don't think it's fair just to put it all on him. You know, there, there are more factors for why this team, you know, it hasn't happened, and it's not just on him. You know, um, you I know, totally I, I think it's everything, you know, I mean, you know, you thought you look, I, I don't think anyone was expecting Dingle to go for 22 a game like he did last year. But I think realistically, 15 or 16 um, was something that you would hope you can get from him. And he's shooting under 40 percent. and uh, Obviously, and RJ Luis has shown some flashes, but obviously the, the turnovers are an issue. And, you know, his, his chronic shin shin splints have limited his development, practice time, and that's obviously been um, something Rick Pitino has talked about. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's just a lot of things have kind of gone wrong that you didn't expect to go wrong, hmm. and that's all contributed to, you know, really a nightmarish last month where, like, they just can't find a way to win a close game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Joel deserves to take all the blame. I think it's a, a total team effort that is just – Things haven't gone in our favor and just down the stretch, you know, guys haven't, we needed some other guys to step up because that's normal to happen when, it, you know, sometimes your big player doesn't have a couple of good games and the other guys step up to make up for it. Nobody's really stepped up for St. John's. And another question for you is why do you think Tino continues to apply full court pressure when this team is clearly slow and struggles to defend in transition? The other night we saw Providence break the press and score easy points in transition. And why haven't we seen Rick make any changes to this scheme? I mean, he has, you know, they, they really didn't press Marquette at all. Uh, if you watch that game, um, I, I mean, I, I think they pressed maybe a little more than they should, but, you know, I've asked him about it and, you know, he doesn't think that's what's hurting them. Um, right. The, okay. the Marquette game, they did not press. Um, so, I mean, let's, let's also remember that. Um but yeah, no, I mean it's it's valid. You know, it's a valid I think it's a valid question. It's a valid criticism that maybe he hasn't adjusted as much as he should have. But I you know, I, I don't think they're losing these games because of the press. They're losing these games because they're not doing little things, because they're not defending well enough, because they're not making shots. It's I think it's easy to kind of say, well, stop pressing. That's why you're losing. That's it's not why they're losing. Um they're losing, you know, you, you don't lose games. You lose games for a number of different things. And it's, you know, and like, it's all these issues we've discussed, it, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, to me, when you look at this roster and as it's played out, I'd be even more confident that Rick Pitino hasn't lost a step. Because despite, you know, to me, a talent divide where a lot of these teams are playing at more talent, St. John's is right in all these games, you know. Um, so if you're here, to, if, if people think he, this is showing he can't coach anywhere, I would, I would very much disagree with that. Um, I think they made mistakes with the roster. No question about that. Um, you know, it's not as good as a lot of people thought, but I think, you know, when you consider they rarely have the best player on the court in league play 
and the fact they're still in all these games and they're leading all these teams, I, I think, you know, shows he still has it. Now the issue is a lot of these teams, the talent, the talent eventually wins out. And I think that's what you're seeing in second half of these games. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, again, like what you said, I don't think the press obviously is plays a significant part to why they're struggling. I think it's just something I've observed when I'm watching games. Um, that That's kind of like the last question I have for you. My final question is just kind of a one for myself that I was curious, like who has been your favorite Johnny to cover while you've been covering St. John's all time. Yeah. All time. Wow. Um, how long have you been covering? Uh, uh, my first year was Lavin's second to last season. So I That's think that was 2013-14, which is obviously a long time and I feel old. Um, <laughs> I have a few. I, I, I'm going to give you three favorites. Sure. Um, D'Angelo Harrison. Okay. Uh, jo- Julian Champagny and Joel Soriano. Okay. This is about, um, about people. You know, they're all really good talkers, um, but really good people. Um, guys who kind of got it, who took criticism well. And, you know, that's one thing I'd like to say about about Joel. Like, he's as good of a person as you can meet. The friendliest, nicest guy. I understand he's come up short here. And, look, I've criticized him. Um, I know a lot of fans have too. But I just think people need to, at the end of the day, like, these are still – you know, normal guys. He's not, he's not going to be, he's look, he's going to, he's going to make money overseas. He's not going to be a millionaire. Um, just remember, you know, before you go bashing these guys on Twitter, just remember these are people with feelings too. And he's a great person. Like I've, you know, I've been covering sports, high schools, college pro for a long time. He's one of my favorite people. He's a great person. Um, and you know, look, I, I wouldn't count him out yet. You know, let's see what he does here to close the season. Um, you know, let's see what, what, what they do here to finish it off. But he is a great person that, you know, that deserves, you know, to me, a, a good finish here. And hopefully, hopefully they could figure it out and turn it around because he's he deserves it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, his, his transformation from Ford and St. John's and was it was I thought was incredible. I mean, I, the way he developed last season was great. And. Uh, him coming, I was so excited to have him come back for another season because I felt like he deserved a, a real final go around with it, with this city and with this team to to see what he could, what he's made, what the what he could do. And and I think, like you said, I, there is still time and there's there's still hope that this team can finish strong and you know, I, I mean, turn some heads maybe down the stretch. I mean, I think that's definitely still a possibility. So, thank you so much, Zach, for taking the time to do this with me. I hope all of my listeners enjoyed this and I plan to have more guests on in the future. And if you did enjoy this and you enjoy all of my episodes for Talking Johnnies, I'd ask that you go on Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button up top so you get notified every time there's a new episode. And if you really enjoy what you're hearing, please leave a review. That really helps grow my brand and grow my podcast. So again, thank you all for listening. That's going to wrap things up. Let's go St. John's and I'll see you guys next time.